Today on Pulpit Hour, we will be featuring a message from the Fletcher First Baptist Church and Pastor Roy Waldrop entitled, The Splendor of His Birth. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Daniel. Interesting sermon for, to begin with, a sermon about the birth of Christ. And in these days, in the next few Sundays, ever how long it takes, the Lord gave me a series of messages on the splendor of the new birth. The splendor of his birth, which was a new gift to the world. Now, it would be impossible for any one of us collectively, everyone that's ever lived, take all the knowledge we've ever gained and ever gleaned. It would be impossible for us just to scratch the surface of the splendor of his birth into the world. So we'll just be able to get a glimpse of it because he's God, he's holy, we're down on this side. But he gives us from time to time a glimpse of the splendor of his new birth. Such was the case night before last. As usual, when I lay down in the bed I, at night to go to sleep, uh, I found it really helps me uh, get my Bible. always helps me get my Bible, and I read a portion of God's Word wherever he asks me to turn to. And then getting sleepy, getting in a restful mode, I'll start getting sleepy, lay my Bible to the side, and such was the case that particular night. As I went to sleep, I was reading these words in Daniel. And um, as I was reading these words, it was so special to me that God was uh, speaking to me, and I knew his voice. And I just want to read you as I was reading right before I went to sleep. In verse 19, of chapter 2. But before we read it, let me get you the setting. Daniel, the Hebrew children, all in captivity. You say, boy, the world is getting rough. It is. Won't be a problem for the children of God. Sure, Daniel, three Hebrew children, all the children of Israel have been marched 500, 600 miles to the place of Babylon, an uh, awful place in the world, despised God. And they said, now, Daniel, the Hebrew boys, we've chosen you. You forget everything you've known. Well, that's a good thing about it. Uh, you've been talking the things of God. You won't forget it. They said, we're going to teach you a new language, new instructions, new doctrines. Now, they were made uh, part of the uh, people that was going to be surrounding the king, along with the astrologers, soothsayers, and Chaldeans. And now, uh, God had given the, the king Nebuchadnezzar a dream in the night. And when God gives you a dream, you know it's something unusual. But the thing of it was, Nebuchadnezzar knew it was a meaningful dream, but God erased it from his memory and he remembered nothing. That didn't seem to bother him too bad because he said, I've got Chaldeans, soothsayers, and all these magical people. They will know my dream. Well, that sounds pretty odd, does it not, that you may have a dream and you may have trouble remembering it, but I sure don't know anything about your dream. So the king called all the soothsayers and wise men together and says, hey, I have a dream. And they said, that's great. Tell it to us and we'll interpret it. He said, well, there's a problem. I don't remember it, so you tell me my dream and interpret it. And they said, no one on the earth can do that. So he said, then you're going to die. So he had them all rounded up. He was going to kill them. And, it, and Daniel and the three Hebrew children had not been asked so far, but they were part of that surrounding uh, uh, people, and they too were going to die, every one of them. So it went to Daniel, you're going to die. Why? Because the soothsayers 
uh, magicians and, and all the devil's crowd didn't know the king's dream. And Daniel said, why be so hasty in this matter? And then we pick up the story. Then was a secret revealed unto Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. See, Daniel knew how to get the interpretation of the dream. God knew it. God gave it. Then God knew the dream. So Daniel had went to God, and he went with friends. Hey, if you have a problem and you can't get the instructions, go to God. He knows all about it and take some godly people with you. So they said, God, show us the dream and the meaning of the dream. And then when they did, look how thankful Daniel was. And the secret was revealed unto Daniel in the night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thy God of my fathers, who hath given me wisdom and might, and hath made known unto me what shall now what we desire to thee. For thy hath now made known unto us the king's matter. So Daniel went, not only gave a dream, but the interpretation of a dream. And remember, it was a meaningful dream that showed the kingdom then, the next kingdom, and all the way to the end of the world, even today. Pretty important dream. But the thought was getting me as I was getting ready to rest my eyes was, hey, God, you're so wonderful, and, and I don't know anything, but would you just show me a little bit? Daniel asked for wisdom to know somebody else's dream that was a meaningful dream of God, and we have the Bible, God's Word. I sure don't understand it all. There's many things in there hardly understand anything at all about it, but I desired to. And I said, if you can show Daniel the meaning of this dream and the king's dream, surely you can give me just a little insight about the splendors of his birth. Just a little bit, it's all I want. That was about 1 o'clock in the night when I went to sleep. At 2.03, just a little bit more than an hour, God woke me up. So I want to show you some things. I mean, I was wide awake as if I'd slept 10 hours. He said, just lay still. Remember the Bible says, stand still and be still and know that I am God. And Moses, when the people of Israel were complaining and, and the Egypt army and Pharaoh was enclosing on them, the Red Sea ahead of them, they were all surrounded by everything. Moses, just lift up your rod and stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. We see that Jeremiah said that also when God spoke to him and said, Tell Israel, stand in the way and see and return to the old path. So God is big on you and I standing still. But you know the problem? We don't like to be still. He told me, lay still. Keep your eyes. So I looked up and over our bed is a skylight, and I went and measured later on the dimensions of that skylight. It's like 14, the painted glass, glass is 14 and a half inches wide, and it's about 40 inches long, and it's at a perfect angle, and so I looked up into the sky, and there was the stars, 
And uh, remember the scripture said that we just read about the darkness. He removeth kings and sets up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them and of understanding. He reserveth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. And we're talking about the light. I was wanting to know more about the light because he, Christ Jesus, is the light. He said, just keep your eyes focused. Don't turn your head. Don't do anything. You lay here with your eyes open. I want to show you some things. So an artist, I'm no artist, but an artist sees things on the mountainside or somewhere, and he tries to depict for others to see what he has seen, and he tries to put it on canvas. But everybody knows that no one has ever been able to put on canvas the real what you see. And just like the Bible, when God shows you something, you can never explain it. Now, it was getting pretty clear to my heart, but I'll have trouble explaining what God showed me, but I'll do the best I can. And even so, I just got a little glimpse of his splendor. And so as I saw, I saw hundreds of stars, but as I gazed there, I saw two stars, one uh, about 9 o'clock and one about 3 o'clock, and my vision through the pane of glass into the eastern sky was laying facing due east, and there was two stars brighter than the other stars. Uh, it seems as though they almost uh, about that far apart from the outside, but yet that's light years. Light years. Remember, a light year is about six trillion miles. And so what I was seeing was trillions of miles through my view. And that view and that window I was looking for, a frame, if you will, was exactly 10 feet from my eyes to the glass. And I was, it was a viewfinder. He said, don't move, I want to show you. Just lay here. And as I lay there, clouds started coming. And every other star in the sky for the next hour, there was nothing visible in the whole sky that I was looking at except those two stars. The clouds had covered every other star as if to tell me, just keep your eyes on those two stars. So about 15 minutes later, the star on my right disappeared out of the scene. Well, that's interesting. I'll explain that a little bit later on. Because then I realized, hey, we're moving the earth is rotating. The earth is rotating on its axis completely around every 24 hours. A little bit faster than that, actually. Uh, but they were rotating, and as we're rotating, what I see is moving. I've never done that before. Here I am uh, uh, getting to be a senior, and I've laid out in my younger days and looked at the heavens, and you don't see uh, yourself moving. Stars are pretty much fixed compared to the earth moving, but I've never looked through a viewfinder, if you would, and not moving. And then one hour later, the star on the left had completely disappeared to the right. And God says, hey, we're moving, aren't we? Well, not only that, but in that hour's time, the stars that were here, they were moving left to right, but they'd also moved from north to south a little bit. And remember, God, we're moving in several directions. A, our life is quickly spent upon earth. We're moving. You know where we're moving to? A place called heaven. But now we're moving, we're rotating uh, around our axis, and the closer you are to the equator, the farther and the faster you go. Now, if you were at the North Pole or South Pole, you'd just barely notice it because it's small up there. But not only that, at the same time we're rotating around, 
the earth is going in circles around the sun. And it does that once a year. And I can notice just in that one hour's time some dimensional changes from north to south how we had moved down about that much, which was a few light years, just in an hour's time. But not only that, I remember that the earth is tilted sometimes more than others, and it's a constantly as we re- rotate around the earth. Right now, today, 21st of December, we're on a tilt of 23 and a half degrees of winter solstice. And then in the summertime, we're tilted the other way. And right now, if you were at North Pole, you would see zero sunlight. Why? Because of the angle. We were tilted. So God reminded me. And then he showed me something else. And all this is a setting for what we want to turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew, if you will, please. Chapter 2. About the star that appeared in the east. And then God reminded me, it's a lot in our perspective. I was looking with both eyes. He said, close one eye. And as most of us do, we have one dominant eye. And I close my right eye, and the stars appeared to move in the heavens about that far, which would be a few trillion miles. They're not moving. I'm not moving. It's just my perspective because my left eye is dominant. I opened both eyes, and they were in the same place. I closed my left eye, and they hadn't moved. See, a lot of it is our perspective. I don't know everything, but God does. In the book of Matthew, we see in chapter 2, verse 1, about the star. And all that was introduction. It's going to take several weeks to develop this, this message. But I've been interested ever since I was a little boy in the star. Some things I don't know, never will know about the star of Bethlehem. But I know a little bit more about it now because of Thursday night. Actually, it's Friday night, I guess. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded them where Christ should be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thy Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Then heard when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Three things I noticed from the text that I want to point out to you. First of all, God controls where we are, the wise men were in the east somewhere, Persia, we don't know. If it, if it wanted us to know, it would have told us. So try to figure it all you will. You'll never know any more than you know right now. It was somewhere in the east. And, you know, I, I don't read a lot of uh, people that claim to be scholars on this because 
It's just another viewpoint. Remember, just close your eyes and you see different things. And every one of us today, our vision is different. You may close one eye and the other eye and you see the same. Well, we're all different, don't you see? And so I have the Word of God. That's all I need. He is the Lord and he is the one in control. And he gave us what he wants us to know. We know that God controls where we are. He controlled where I was that particular day. And at the precise time, he woke me up when? When those two stars were exactly the best I could determine in the very center of my view. And God has put us, every one of us, just exactly where he wants us to be for this evil hour in which we live. He's in control of that. I say next of all that God's control of where we go because he told these wise men, because they were astronomers, they, they knew they were, they were people that knew the heavens. They studied that, and they knew that this star meant something special. That star had never been just like that before because the great splendor of his birth was this is the greatest event that's ever transpired since God created the world. How's that so? God's done such a lot of wonderful things. It must have been wonderful to see the Red Sea part and, and four or five million people go through it. That would have been a phenomenon. It would have been an even greater phenomenon to see when they got through, he closed the waters and all the Egyptian army drowned in the Red Sea. That would have been wonderful. That's just a little, uh, little grain of sand. Oh, that's a great event. It would have been wonderful back in Joshua's time to have been there when uh, God told him the command, Son, stand down still. And the earth stopped spinning, and the victory was won by the children of Israel because God stopped the earth from spinning for a, a period of time while they, God can do all that, no problem, he's God. It lets me know that any circumstance you and I are going through, it's not a big problem. God is bigger than their problems. All he wants us to do is trust him. But now we have seen something transpire that is bigger than we can ever imagine. That the creator of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, in the beginning made all the creation, the thousands of galaxies, and the trillion times trillion stars that there are. You realize there was a point in time when there was nothing? And God spoke it into existence. That's a big God. And then we look around our little earth, and it's quite large, but it's big for me because I'm such a little nothing, and realize that the trees, the plants, the air, the water, everything there is, God spoke it into existence. Well, that's pretty amazing. But I'll tell you something more amazing, that this big God that's in heaven, that's always been, could leave the portals of glory as big as he is and come down and be a little speck in the womb of a virgin called Mary and not lose any of his deity, just as much God as he's ever been. Now, that's amazing to me, that God could descend from the portals and he could leave heaven and come down and be birthed with the mother. So when you, you and I could leave the bosom of a mother and one day go to be in the bosom of a father. That's a splendor I'll never understand. But I believe it. 
And there's so much truth in, in the Word of God that I'll never understand, but I believe every jot, every tittle of it. And this God that's that big had no problem whatsoever creating that special star in the sky at the very right time, and the wise men were in the right place. And he said, look, follow the star. But number three, they followed the star, and when they got to Jerusalem, that's the center, remember? The center of God says, I'll make Jerusalem my dwelling place. And it was where he was going to die. And Jerusalem is only about six miles from Bethlehem. And to get to Bethlehem from where they were, no doubt you had to go through Jerusalem. So it was a biblical center. It was, you know, a lot of history there. So he came and they realized, well, somebody somewhere has got to know where this Christ child is. We know we're headed in the right direction. And when God gives you direction, whether it's a star or his word, he is the bright and the shining light. And when you follow him, you're going in the right direction. You may not be to your final destination yet, but you're headed in the right direction. So they got Jerusalem and they started inquiring, where is he? We know from the Scripture. The Scripture has taught us that this is a, a, something that shows us that the king of born, where is he? We see that when you don't know, you come to the Word of God. When you don't know where you are and you don't know exactly where you're headed, you know in the right direction, you turn to the Word of God. So they went to hurry the king. He didn't know anything. He was an infidel. But he knew who did know the right thing, so he inquired of the scribes. He had enough sense to know that the Word of God contains all the mysteries of the world. Go inquire, it is written. God's big on his word. So the scribes came in and they said, yeah, it's written that the king's coming. Well, that bothered him and it bothered religion. Do you know today when you start talking about the next coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it bothers a lot of people. You may be here this morning, and when you say the Lord could come today, it may bother you a great deal. The only reason it should bother you would be it's a checkpoint in your life. Things aren't exactly right between me and the Lord because if he were to come today, I wouldn't be ready to go. And so the, lead, the religious leaders didn't want anything to do or know anymore about the king coming. Why? They would have to subject themselves. They would have to submit themselves to his kingship and lordship. They didn't want to know anything. So the scripture says all of Jerusalem was troubled. It troubled Herod because he's a king. It troubles people today that the Lord's coming again because they want to be lord of their life. They want to go where... They're going in the way they're going. But when they submit to his lordship, it's his way, not our way anymore. And so they found out that it is written where he's to be born. Where's he going to be born? It's already cast in stone. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And when he comes, he's going to be king of the Jews. And when he comes back next time, he's going to rule and reign. And when he comes back next time, he's going to take every one of us with him that's saved. Some things are already established. It pays to know the word of God. And where do you go to get knowledge of this? Where it is written. The beautiful, precious word of God. 
I would like to finish this message like this, but it's going to take several weeks. I want to turn now, since Christmas is coming up this week, let's turn and look at his birth. We'll get back to this at a later day because that's important now. One thing I want to mention, when they found out it was in Bethlehem, they wasted no time. They went to Bethlehem. And when they got there, the star was leading them now. And the Bible says the star stood over where he lay. That's a phenomenon. And that is hard to understand. You look at the heavens and it's shining. But what object is it shining on? That's what the Lord helped me understand a little bit the other day. Turn to Luke chapter 2. Get back to that thought a little bit lying. We've got to finish the message today about his birth. Chapter 2, the book of Luke. Verse 6 says, And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Remember, she was in Nazareth. But the scripture says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And the Lord, the angel, appeared to her in Nazareth. Uh, that's about 60, uh, 60 miles or more uh, from where he was. That, that takes several days to get there, and the baby's almost due. Not a problem for God. He just had a wicked king side of the creed that all the world should be taxed. Not where you are, but where your family came from. So get going. And the king, an atheist king, did that. So we worry a lot about Iran and Iraq and China and North Korea and, and, and the great bear Russia. Let me remind you he's in control of all the world, all the powers there are ordained of God. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you. Where you go... Where I go, you do not know, but I'm coming back for you. So my job, your job, is to be ready for his return. Are you ready for his return? The world wasn't ready then, but he came nevertheless at the right time. So the Bible says, And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swollen clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them. And God let that happen and let us know there's never been any room in the world for Jesus. Wasn't then, wasn't today. There's not room in many people's hearts for Jesus. But it didn't hinder him coming, did it? And it doesn't hinder him coming in my heart because somebody else's heart don't want to receive him. He came, he came to his own, his own received him not. But to those that received him, to them, gave it power to become the sons of God. Nothing can hinder me from receiving him. The world was against him, hurried was against him, but he came nonetheless. Religion didn't want to see him come, but he came. There's a few that want to see him come, and we're going to read that story. And verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David the Savior, 
which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in the swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel of multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and there are peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them to heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto you. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger, just as it was foretold, born in Bethlehem, Beth house, Lehem house of bread. And did Jesus not proclaim to the disciples in the world, I'm the bread of life? Only one other time in the Bible after his birth at Bethlehem was Bethlehem mentioned. And that was the Apostle Paul who was writing the history of it and remind us that Christ was born in Bethlehem, as the Scripture had foretold. The babe came. Babe, it means, sometimes in the Hebrew, it means unborn. Remember when the angel came to, to Zacharias and says, Elizabeth shall have a child, and babe was mentioned. And then when Jesus uh, was uh, come from heaven and when he was implanted in the womb of a virgin called Mary, he was called a babe. Babe in the Hebrew means an unborn child and it means a new infant child. And so now the babe, a newborn, was born. And God wanted some people to know. And the angels were rejoicing because in heaven the angels were created by God. There was never a time when Jesus wasn't there until... He left the splendors of heaven, came down in the wound of a, Mary, uh, of a virgin called Mary, and now they're in heaven and Jesus is gone. And we're told in First Peter that the angels even desired to know more about this great salvation and they leaned over the balconies of heaven. And in First Peter he tells us that they inquired to look into this great thing. But now they see the Christ child born. There's a Savior. They leaned over the portals of heaven and they saw Jesus in his new infant. But they realized he's as much God as he ever was. Uh, they knew the scripture, but they did not fully understand everything that was going on. Neither did uh, anyone else. Neither do I. Neither does anyone ever know. But God knows. He's in control. I don't know about my life. You don't know about yours. But I know one thing. He's in control of my life. He's in control of the whole universe. Why don't we just submit to him? So now the shepherds, they were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. But the heavenly host came and said, Glory to God in the highest, and nourish peace, goodwill. And the angel instructed them, If you want to see him, you leave what you're doing. Hey, when you leave your flock, the wolves come in, the bear come in and destroy him. He taught them there's more things important than your earthly possessions. You leave and you go and view him. So they quickly ran to where he was and they worshiped him. In the day the Holy Spirit is beckoning to us to come worship him, adore him, Christ Jesus the Lord. Few are, many won't, doesn't hinder us. Nothing could deter or distract the shepherds from going to inquire of what was revealed to them. And if God reveals himself to you, no forces of hell can keep you from coming. Only people's stubborn will they don't like to conform. They don't like to submit to his lordship. But nonetheless, Christ Jesus is given. He's born to us. Look what the scripture says. 
and verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. He is our peace. He's the one that left heaven. The world doesn't want peace. They talk about peace. Peace if they can dictate it, but only God can give peace, and the world won't submit. But back to you and I, the world can't keep any one of us from submitting his lordship. And now they came with haste, verse 16, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger, just like the angel said it would be. And his birth, splendor his birth, was just like the Bible had already foretold it would be. And his life and his death were just like the Scripture had foretold it to be. A man without sin, a man with sorrows, smitten, and he would die a cruel death upon a Roman cross. He came to die. He came to live within your heart. Only by his sacrificial death, by his resurrecting power, by his ascension to heaven, the Holy Spirit was given, come down to convict men of sin. And I'm proud as a 12-year-old boy, he found me. I was just where I was supposed to be. God planted me there in the home of a mother and father that had told me the ways of God, taking me to church all my life. And in my head, I believe, there's never been an instant, even a split second, where in my head I didn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But it was light years away from my heart. Head belief don't get you to heaven. You say, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God, that's good. The devils believe also. And they're not going to be saved. But it takes a transaction, a new birth. We're talking about the splendors of his birth. The new birth is a splendor. And the only way you're going to transfer it from your head to your heart is the Holy Spirit. And you do that by submitting to him and say, Lord, I am a sinner. You've got to swallow a lot of pride because we don't like to admit we're sinners. However, ever since... Adam and Eve sinned, every person that's ever been born was a sinner. Probably not just a man. I'm just like everybody else. Born, say, oh, I had a good mother and dad. So did I. I was still born in iniquity, shaped in iniquity, conceived in iniquity. But thank God the Holy Spirit came to me and he just revealed to me I was lost. I quickly agreed. Yes, I'm lost. I was in church. I've always been in church all my life. But that is a special night. He said, this is your night. This is a night that the, the, the light of a glorious gospel is shining on your life. If I had not went that night, I do not know if I'd ever had another opportunity. I may have. I didn't know. I wasn't willing to wait. I was like the shepherds. I ran as fast as I could run. Nobody came get got me. I jumped off from the first seat or the second seat, I don't remember, in their little church, and I ran to the altar. And the Lord ran with me and met me there and showed me and helped me and did it for me. His blood was miraculously applied to my life. He came into my heart, and all I did was say, Lord, I'm a sinner, but I believe that you came and you was virgin-born. I believe that you died for me and that you are the Son of God, and I want to belong to you. Would you save me? I didn't know enough theology to ask him to wipe all my sins away. A lot of people go back and say, I didn't say it that way. Hey, it don't matter how you say it. It's a heart belief. And I said, God, I want to believe in my heart like I believe in my head. 
and he, as only he can do, transform my life. And later in theology, I found out a little bit, just a little bit how he did it. He applied his blood that was shed at Calvary over 2,000 years ago to my heart, wiped all my sins away. At the same instant, he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. Devil can't get to it. And thieves can't get to it. And Peter says, it's recorded, my salvation is kept by the power of God, reserved in heaven for me. All because when I heard the Holy Spirit help me here, I submitted, I bowed, I believed, I received. Just like the shepherds did, they went to inquire, and they left believing. How did they leave? Well, let's look quickly, and we're closing. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And when I left that day, ever since, I've been praising God and thanking him for what he let me see and hear that day when I was saved. He recorded my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. He came into my heart to live, sealed me until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's quickly changed my direction. As a 12-year-old boy, I desired things of God, things of the world that didn't interest me very much, and Little anymore. Every day of my life, more sanctification, less of the world, more Jesus. Would you stand this morning? Your heads were bound. What about you this morning? Brother Bill, could you come sing any song of invitation the Lord puts on your heart? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ? The shepherds could have said, well... We're not dressed exactly right this morning or tonight. Nothing entertained your mind except we have an invitation to see the Christ child. And they left everything and came to him. That's where it'll be with you. If you ever get saved, you'll have to leave the world, everything, and come to him. And say, Lord, there's no other way I can get there except through you. I'm coming. 